everyone. Welcome to Achieving Success with Olivia Akin. I'm your host, Olivia Akin. Each week, we will discuss the roadmap of achieving your personal and professional success. We will give you real-life stories on growing personally and professionally to achieve your life and career goals with the help of some top-notch guests. Today, we are speaking with Misty Buck. Misty is an athlete mental health and mindset coach. She is a contributor and coach to the Hall of Fame Health and affiliate of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Misty is also an international speaker and author. She has published the books Athlete Mental Health Playbook and Athlete Branding Blueprint, which debuted as the number one new release in sports psychology on Amazon earlier this year. In addition, Misty is also the owner of an award-winning digital marketing agency in Miami called Miss Inc. LLC. You can find Misty by going to her website, PurposeSoulAthletics.com, or by emailing her at Misty at PurposeSoulAthletics.com. Hello, Misty. It's fantastic having you on the show today. Thank you so much. I'm so excited for this space today. Thank you. Of course. And I'm excited for just the meaningful conversation we're going to have and all of your insight. To start off the show, can you tell me what success means and looks like to Misty Buck? Success. So, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. So back in the day, I used to think of success as the amount of clients that I had or the amount of money that I was making, right? And I just really like equated success with those tangible material things. And I do think that all those things are really valuable. But I also found that in my own journey through mental health and wellness, that really success to me is managing that. It's managing my mental health, my mental wellness, and really approaching each and every day with a level of mental peace and maintaining that. So even if, you know, things kind of get haywire or my emotions come in, like learn using my techniques and tools and everything like that, the same stuff that I work with my clients on on bringing myself back to that intention of just living with more mental peace in my life. So that, that to me is really success, just having that overall level of satisfaction and enjoying my life and not be so stressed out chasing things, but rather just, just embracing and and being in the flow of what, um, what my life is, whether it's easy or not. So. (laughs) And life kind of like you just said, can be easy or it can be difficult and it can change throughout the day. So having mental peace and stability is really important in anything you're doing because without that, you can really derail yourself and your goals, not just in the short term, but the long term. Misty, in 2015, you decided to become a life coach. What yeah. made you what made you decide to go down that journey and and how did that come about? Yeah, I love it. So I'm going to try and make this as short as possible story. But basically, you know, I grew up around, I was the coach's daughter. My dad was a football coach. I was always, you know, at the park and on the field and whatever. And then um, later on, when I was a teenager, I um, coached cheerleading for youth athletes and just really fell in love with that. And it was just this really super gratifying experience. And, um, but I decided instead of going that route of like psychology or sports or this or that in school that I was going to go through my first love, which is writing and study um, public relations and in in creative writing. So when I got out of school, I was working at some PR firms and then eventually decided to start my own marketing agency, which came about in 
2008. So we were one of the very first social media digital marketing agencies in existence here in Miami. Um, to date us, I will tell you, it's been 15 years, but to really date it, it's going to sound like super ancient. But our first website was a MySpace page because I didn't have web development skills at that time. And I didn't have the money to have a website. So we were on MySpace. I was like, and to me, I was like, oh, there's something to this, right? To this social media thing. So that business became what it is still today. But in my journey in that, that was 2008. And in my journey in that, I still felt that I was missing something in my life. And when I um, was getting the business going, I worked as a recovery coach at a residential treatment center for women with eating disorders here in Miami. And I loved that one-on-one connection. I loved helping people. I just have always really loved that since I, you know, going back to when I was a kid. And so when my business went through like a little bit of a rough patch, the marketing business, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to tap into something that I feel like I'm really missing in my life. And that was working with one-on-one people and coaching with them, which I think has been, was more of a passion than I even realized. And so I, I went and got certified as as a life coach and have been on that journey ever since. And I love how you bring up the aspect of, you know, you wanted to become a life coach for different reasons, but once you started taking the steps, you really realized that you were even more passionate than you even knew or thought. And that really helped you grow in knowing what you wanted to do and how you wanted to help people. You specialize and have written books about athletics and mental health and that journey. Why did you decide to focus on athletic mental health? Um, Great question. So again, kind of going back along into my journey is when I was doing all that coaching, I was also a cheerleader at the same time. And so really but being around football, my dad's football teams and my brother is a football player and he played hockey and this and that and whatever and the cheerleading teams I was always the kid that was like the super people would call the super sensitive one or some might have even labeled me as a drama queen or other things like that and I think that the thing that's make me a really good coach now is that empathic traits that I possess but back then, no one used those words. We didn't talk about empathic. We didn't talk about highly sensitive. We didn't talk about any of those things. It just was like constantly being made fun of, right? So because in this world of sports and in the time that I grew up in the late 90s was very like, toughen up, don't be soft. Why are you being so weak? You're such a cry baby. And so I carried with me, there's something wrong with me. Like, why do I feel all these things that nobody else feels why are why am I going to practice and here and there and everybody's so much tougher than I am like I don't understand like what's wrong with me and um so fast forward a little bit when I was in high school and I suffered with depression um it was very serious (coughs) excuse me I um I wanted to end my life and um was really on that path and luckily there was a you know my mom asked me the right question at the right time And I, and I would say by the grace of God, I opened up to her and I got, it wasn't easy, but I got the right help. But even then it was more stigma. It was like, oh my God, now there's really something wrong with me. I'm on medicine and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. So anyway, so anyhow, so you take, and then I suffered with anxiety in college without even knowing what that was and having panic attacks. So it's sort of like just all this 
um, not being educated on any of these things, not being able to say, look, this is empathic. This is an emotion. You can learn how to manage your emotion instead of being made fun of for those emotions. Here's, here's some tools to help you manage those emotions. Right, Missy? So like that, those things weren't happening. They just didn't happen. So I had to um, go on this journey of self-discovery and working with therapists and taking mindfulness courses like I do and everything that I've done to kind of get to this point that I'm at now. Um, and so when I got certified as a life, I say all that to say, to preface that when I got certified as a life coach, I was trying to figure out who it is that I wanted to help. So I worked with various coaches and they were like, oh, you should work with this person or you should work with these type of people. And it all sounded great, right? Because I just wanted to help people. So I get super excited. And then the brand would kind of like fizzle out, like it wouldn't go anywhere. And so finally I was working with a coach. I'll give him a shout out. His name is Dre Baldwin. He's phenomenal. Um, and he was like, he asked me a question nobody had asked me before, Olivia. He goes, Missy, what are the things that um, when you reflect on impacted you the most in your life? And I was like, huh. I was like, definitely coaching kids. Cause up until my point, nothing had matched that level of satisfaction for me. And the other thing was my struggle with mental health. And then it dawned on me. I was like, oh my God, I bet you there's other people who grew up in the world of, of athletics and sports who had this same experience where not only was there stigma, but people were telling them you're weak, you're soft. So you kind of have to like hide all these things. So um, I decided to really focus in on that. And what I love about what you were saying and really want to take that in and digest it is the fact that when you know there's not necessarily something wrong with you just because it's not normal to everyone else around you and it's not normal or what they deem normal, you know, it can take self-discovery or putting yourself in positions where you are asking for guidance and that help to really understand why certain things impact you differently and get on that right mental path that you were talking about. Because it, without knowing, sometimes it can be so dawning to really understand why you're thinking one way and whether it's the right thought or not the right thought, you have to kind of explore that as well. And that meaning behind it. Exactly. Exactly. And I've had to learn to, to, to have more grace and self-compassion, but also accept and love who I am and all those pieces of me, right? What, you know, the things that are great about me and the things that maybe, you know, I want to work on and get better at. I think that's really, really important is, and not like judging myself so hardly, harshly and being like, okay, you know, like this is, this is what it is, but also learning not to label emotions as good or bad mm -hmm. or right or wrong. There's no such thing as a right or wrong emotion. Right. So, but what I can do is learn to navigate that and not that my emotions don't make me, me, it's just something that's happening in the moment. And so as I learn about myself more, I learn how to become more self-aware. I've learned, and this is exactly what I work with my clients on. How do you become more self-aware? How do you start to notice? Because someone will say to me, oh, how do I help my athletes do this, this, and this? And I'm like, your first step is self-awareness. Because if they don't even know what's happening, how can they possibly apply the tools that you're trying to give them? So <clears throat> really understanding that, knowing my buttons to push, knowing what your triggers are, 
all those sorts of things. And then like, even just this morning, quick example, I had a conversation this morning with somebody and I don't know, the whole morning I, I was irritated and there was no reason for me to be irritated. I'm like, man, why? I was trying to figure out like, why am I in such a mood? So I sort of, it was like, let me step back. And instead of being like, oh, I'm irritated, just one of those days and allowing myself to have a day where I'm just irritated all day. I was like, what's really going on with this? And so I sat for just a few minutes and sort of reflected on it. And it dawned on me, I'm like, oh, this, this particular bout of anger is actually coming from a place of fear about X, Y, Z. And <clears throat> once I realized that, again, it wasn't right or wrong. It just was eye-opening, like, okay, this is it. And then that alone brings you more mental peace. So, um, yeah. <laughs> no, and I think that's a great example on, like you were saying, your emotions, there's no right or wrong emotion if you're having it, but you have to identify why you're having it. And that's really important is to understand why that why behind it of what is making you feel that way and then address that because the right. addressing can be just as important. Yeah, definitely. So you want to have awareness and then you want to not judge what you're feeling. So, you know, I talk about this method that I teach that I came up with called the fast method, which is basically applying mindfulness in the moment. So the F is when you're, something's going on and you're like, wow, like, what is this? You know, whether you're angry or super sad, whatever it is, you know, like you want to become fully present is the F and, and then, okay. So now I'm really here. This is where I'm at. Um, the A is for, um, aware and accept. So become, I'm going to become, I'm going to be aware of what this is and I'm going to accept this is how I'm feeling. Right. The S is to speak it out. So this is why, you know what, this is why this is happening right now. Instead of judging it, like, oh, I'm feeling this or letting it carry you away or burying it, sitting with it. Okay. This is what it is. Let me sort of witness it without judging it. And then I can see this is what it is. So that's what the speaking it out is. This is where it's coming from. And then the T is you take it from there. So what do you do? Is it a breathing exercise? Do you journal? Do you go on a walk? Is it just a change in perspective? Whatever that tool looks like for you. And it could be some, you know, multitude of different tools, but that's essentially how um, we apply it. And I think those, those, those are the tweaks that I think make a big difference in helping someone perform, an athlete perform better but also just have greater satisfaction and levels of what we would call quote unquote success on or off the field court or whatever, because we're able to under, we're able to know ourselves better, be more authentic, hear ourselves better. And you can't really go wrong with those things. So, you know, no, you really can't. And it's really important to <laughs> then be able to communicate with others. You know, it, we talk about, and we kind of bring this up, achieving and maintaining, you said those two words earlier, achieving and maintaining that mental health. And that's so important. And when you achieve, but you're also maintaining it, what then brings is clarity to whether it's a friendship, a relationship with a significant other, family members, it brings clarity to those as well. Um, because then you're able to be able to understand your feelings, but then maybe also kind of understand someone else's as well. Absolutely. And that's what emotional intelligence is. Emotional intelligence is more than just understanding your emotions and being able to name your emotions, which surprisingly a vast, a lot of people can't do, like they're not really taught how to, how to recognize and name emotions. But when you do those things, you, you also begin to understand others to your point. And that's really what emotional intelligence is. So imagine as an athlete, you know, we'll go back to, I mean, it can work in all sense of relationships, but imagine as an athlete, you know, being able to sense what's going on with a teammate and how much that can help 
you be a better teammate, right? And how you guys can better perform together, being able to sense what's going on with a competitor or at, you know, at home with a loved one or whatever it is, like just being more like in tune with those things mm-hmm. um, can be, doesn't mean you have to own them and take responsibility for them, but it helps you it, to your point, navigate um, the world. What are some additional tools that you have found really helpful that you've implemented in your everyday life that have helped you maintain that mental safeness and understanding? Yeah. So I think, I think, you know, for me, I, and I think most and everybody I work with, I think it's a multiple set of tools. I think it's different things work better at different times. So this is why self-awareness is so important. But number one, I think that in addition to that self-awareness is understanding that it's a lifelong practice. So this is not something that it's like one and done and I can check it off my list and now like, okay, cool. Like I'm good forever. Like that, that's what I thought. So when I was a teenager and I was going through and I went through the depression, I was like, okay, this is what I used to tell myself, Olivia. I was like, all right, if I can get through this, I was like 17. I'm like, but if I can get through this, I'm going to be fine. I'm not going to have any more problems. Like my life is going to be good. Like I'm not going to battle with this stuff anymore. And, you know, uh, that was when I was 17. I'm 42 now. And I'm still learning how to manage my mental health and wellness. Right. And, and I imagine it'll always be that way because we're constantly evolving as individuals. And so I think that that's, that that's the other really important piece is to understand um, whatever the tools are that they may change, but you're going to change. And it, so that's why it's so important that this mental training that we talk about is a constant process. It's not just only to help you reach one goal and then that's it, <clears throat> excuse me, to get the most out of it, to become the best complete version of yourself, to continue to excel and reach, continue to hire, you know, climb this mountain and that mountain and that mountain that happens when you continue to work on your mental health and wellness and your training, and you're going to have high points and you're going to have low points. And sometimes those low points are to teach you, you know, the right way to climb the mountain that climb like next mountain. Right. So like, okay, so the way I was doing this before, or it wasn't, isn't really working. Right. Um, or I thought I had fixed this about myself and here it is rearing its ugly head again. That happens all the time where I'm like, oh yeah, I'm good. And then something comes up again. I thought I already healed this. Right. And so, but I think, so I think understanding that all those things are totally normal. You're human, you're not a robot. So this is stuff that we have to continue to progressively work on. And then you find tools that work for you. You know, mindfulness is is really helpful to me. I meditate every day. It's not like I sit there for hours on end. I mean, it's like 10 minutes in the morning, maybe 10 minutes again later in the day, sometimes a little bit longer, depending on where I'm at. Um, I, I journal almost every day. So it's just, it's, I work out like that's really big for me. Exercise is huge for me. So I think it just depends on, and then, you know, there's other like little things too, that I know, like for self-care that I'll do, but I think it's really, again, understanding yourself and, and knowing that having that grace with yourself. Okay. This is a lifelong process. So if I go through a rough patch, and I need to adjust my tools. It doesn't mean there's something wrong or that I'm screwed up. It just means this is part of the human experience. And I just need to continue to, to be on that journey. And I think that's really important to understand is the fact that, like you said, you're a human and life is continuing every day. So 
the journey is going to be changing and shifting every day and building those tools and knowing you have them is just as important as being able to know when to use them. And then knowing that at some point you've changed and you might have to shift those tools a Mm -hmm. little bit as well. Misty, you work a lot with athletes. And as we said earlier, you work with pro football and the Association of the Hall of Fame and everything like that. And you have a peer group with different alumni athletes, professional and current athletes. Why was it important for you to build areas where not just you're having that one-on-one time with your clients, but also where it is a group setting? Yeah, so I love this so much. So one of the things that I am super passionate about is bringing peer groups, more and more peer groups into into the world. And the reason that that to me is so important. So the and the peer group that you're talking about, I run with somebody who I think you know, Marcus Ogden. I think yes. he's been on your show. You know him. So uh, so we yeah. we kind of right. So um, we co-moderate this group every Friday and it's for former pro athletes. It doesn't matter what sport you played. So we have major league baseball, we have NFL, we have soccer, we have overseas basketball, right? Like it just is like a mix of sports. And what's so important about that group and, uh, and other peer groups that we're developing is it gives you a place and a sense of of camaraderie and a place of understanding. So a couple of weeks ago, you might've seen it. There was this huge report. The U.S. Surgeon General came out and was talking about how dangerous the loneliness and isolation epidemic has become. And then at this point, it's at such, it's at such a dangerous level that it's about like smoking 15 cigarettes a day. That's how comparable it is into how dangerous it is. And groups like these solve that because now you're in a place where you feel safe you can be vulnerable. Confidentiality is of utmost importance. And you're building relationships with your peers where you can, with people that understand you. So I think that's really important. So (laughs) for example, a lot of times when athletes, they retire from sports, they might fall into a depression or this or that. And one of the top reasons that they struggle is this isolation. It's that nobody and at home understands their experience now that they don't have the locker room nobody gets them and so this kind of these kind of groups solve that because now you're among your peers and people understand the way that you think they understand the way you approach life they understand that you know how we go from as athletes being like in a very reactive state to learning how to be more proactive in life right <laughs> so all those things are really really important and we get comments all the time. I love this group. You guys are, you know, like so awesome. <clears throat> One of our newest members recently was like, man, I wish this, I knew this existed before. How come there's not more of this? So it just shows you the need and that people just want to connect with people. You know, people need people. It's that simple. And I a hundred percent agree with that. And we're laughing for some of you who don't know, um, Misty and I connected not through Marcus, But we joke because Marcus is one of my very best friends. He's also been a guest on the show previously, and I've been a guest on his podcast. So great minds think alike with having Misty in their life, I would say. But Uh the group that 
she has created with Marcus is unbelievable. Like she's saying, it really creates that peer environment does create the connectivity of knowing you're not alone and being able to talk to people about similar experiences. Like Misty said, you have athletes, pro athletes from all over in different professional settings that have common experiences and can talk about those. You know, working in professional sports myself for many years, I understand that once you leave it, or even while you're in it, it's so small and tight-knit. It is such a community of understanding, like, no one really understands what it's like in this fishbowl environment unless you're in it or you've experienced it. And when you try to talk to someone else about it who's has that distance and doesn't understand it, it can be difficult. So having peer groups, whether it's being in professional sports or veteran peer groups from the military or, you know, you were in a trauma and you have a peer group about that, those connectivity abilities for someone else to sit there and say, yes, and this is what I'm doing, or yeah, I was there and this is my story. And knowing you're not alone can be so important to be able to put that mental stability into place for yourself to know, like you said, Missy earlier, that you're not, there's nothing wrong with you. It's just an experience you had. Yeah, a hundred percent. And that validation, you know, again, I go back to everything that I do is wanting to be a resource that I needed when I was growing up and even as an adult. And so, you know, going back to that, just if, if there was, you know, even for teens, like if there was a group for like teens who were struggling with whatever it was, you know, then maybe I wouldn't have felt so like I was crazy and maybe I wouldn't have felt like there was something so wrong with me because, oh, okay, like now I'm here with a group of other people and huh, I'm not the only one that feels this way. Right. But, and you know, but yet we all are here for a common goal and that is to become better. So how do we do that? We help each other. And through that, we understand each other. And through that, we continue to grow. And again, knowing that it's a confidential safe space allows people to be vulnerable and, and, and have those, those open up more. So yeah, super passionate about bringing more of those out into the world. I want to bring up something else you just said a few times in your answer. And I think it's really important to understand and dive into a little bit is the word safe space and the importance of knowing you're in a safe environment to kind of go through those emotions, whether it is a peer group, whether it's with a friend, whether whoever it might be the safe place for not just you, but to know the other person knows your safe space is very important. How do you make people make sure they feel that safe space? And what can other people do to make their friends or family know that they're a safe person to be able to talk to and communicate about things? Yeah, love this so much. So thank you for asking this, because I think that this is really a, a point that can help people. You know, we talk a lot about the mental health crisis, and I think this is something um, the safe spaces, you know, obviously you can't, you know, you can, you can't make everybody say what's on their mind, but the more safe they feel, the more likely it is that they will. So, and personally for me, when I'm working with in peer groups or one-on-one with clients or even in workshops, 
the first thing that I'll do is I'll lead with my vulnerability. So this is why I talk about my story, not because it, it's like a, it's like an easy thing for me to say and not because it's just like a hook. And it's like, no, like this is this is my this is what I come with. Like, this is my journey. This is the stuff I've been through. This is real. This is raw. This is whatever. And because I feel like I do that, it gives other people the opportunity to be like, oh, OK, you know, like maybe I can let my guard down a little bit and, and have this conversation with her because she's not perfect either, you know, or whatever goes through their mind. So that's one of the ways that I approach it. The other thing that I love this saying, I did not come up with this saying, but I love this saying so much. And the saying is a safe place is a consistent place. So what does that mean? That means if you start, you tell somebody, oh yeah, I'm here for you anytime, but you're not consistent with that and your actions and your words don't match those actions, they're not really going to feel safe with you because there's no, that, that, that consistency isn't there, right? But if you're regularly showing up, I mean, we all know that we all have people in our life that we know that we could call and they get us and we can just say what we need to say and we'll feel okay there. I hope everybody has somebody like this in their life, but it's because they've consistently shown up for you. So, you know, again, and I was talking to a coach last week. He's like, how do I build this with my athletes? He's a high school coach. And I'm like, well, you have to talk to them more often, ask them how they're doing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really as simple as that, you know, like just paying attention, like even if it's during warmups, whatever it is, hey, so-and-so, how, you know, how are things going? You doing okay? Okay. And maybe they don't open up to you the first couple of times, but you start asking somebody enough and they're going to realize this person actually cares about me. And I think there's a higher probability that when there is a problem, they will come to you because they're going to feel that you care and you've built that consistent safe space. And I think that's so important in what you said with the consistency and vulnerability both can be just as they're equally as important and I've I try to do that in my life for anyone who walks into my life I want them to know I'm there and I'm going to show up and I've had people ask me like why do you continue to reach out we haven't talked why have you done that and I go because you know I've noticed this and there's that little shift and I want to make sure that little shift isn't something bigger. And when you, whether you want to tell me not or not, and sometimes they're fine and it's just like, okay, there was a shift. They're growing great. And sometimes there is something behind it. And no one has asked that question where then when you're consistently reaching out, whether it's once a month, once a week, whatever it might be and saying, I'm here, I'm a friend, I'm a safe environment. If you ever want to talk, and there's no ulterior motives, people read that and people feed that. And then they're more likely that when something is happening, like you said, to actually come to you and say, yeah, this is what's going on. Hey, I just need to talk. Sometimes it's as little as being heard. And that's- And, and, that, and you just touched, you hit the nail on the head right there. People, everybody wants to be heard. Everybody wants to feel validated. I'm sorry. I don't care who you are. Every single person on this earth wants to feel peace They want to feel love. They want to feel heard. They want to feel validated and they want to know they matter. And that happens by showing up for the, for your people. And I think that's a great way to kind of wrap things up because that was a great ending point of showing up and everyone wants to be heard and everyone deserves to be heard. Everyone deserves to know that they matter. Misty, how can people get in touch with you if they want to connect? 
Yeah. So thank you for that. So I know you shared earlier, but uh, my email address, misty at purposesoulathletics.com. You can go to the website, purposesoulathletics.com, the contact form, all that's there. Or if social media is more your thing, you can reach out to me there um, on most every network. I'm at the T-H-E, Misty Buck, all one word is my handle. I'm not trying to be fancy with that, by the way. It's just there is another Misty Buck, so I have to differentiate and brand my handle. So that's what it became, the Misty Buck. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, you can you can reach out to me there. You know, whether you want to talk just about more about this conversation or you're interested in coaching or peer groups or whatever, like I said, you just want to talk or you want me to point you in the right directions to a resource, I'm happy to do that because... The one thing that I that I will, I know you just asked me my contact information, but one thing I don't want to forget to say is if you were to walk away from this, listening to this with anything today, I want you to know that it's never too late for you to get help. You don't have to be at a certain point of what we might call rock bottom or whatever in order to deserve to get help, number one, right? So it doesn't matter if you think you're, because you, some people think I'm not, Nah, things aren't that bad. I, I don't really need to get help. We, we judge ourselves. Stop judging yourself. Get the support that you need before it snowballs and goes in the other direction. And the second part of that is even if you feel like you've hit rock bottom and there's nobody left in your life and you know, everything is sort of falling apart and there's no hope left for you, I want you to know I'm living, breathing proof. And I know lots of other people that are that you, there's always there's always hope. There's always hope. It is never too late. And I don't care how dark and how dismal and impossible things seem, you can get better and you will get better and you will enjoy your life again. And so if you walk away with anything, just please, 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 please know that. And please reach out and get the help to get yourself to that point because it is absolutely never too late. And I think that's a great (laughs) way to go into some of our takeaways from today's conversation. That was a really important one. Thank you, Misty, for all of your insight today. I really appreciate it. Thanks again for having me on. So a few of those key takeaways we just discussed, like Misty said, that was a very important one. Know you're not alone. Know no matter what's going on, there is hope and reach out for it. There's a lot of people out there that are more than willing to help, as well as learn to manage your emotions. Managing your emotions and understanding them are really important to your own self-growth and your own mental stability, as well as what are the things that have impacted you the most? Ask yourself that question, and that can drive what you deem success, what you want to be doing in the long term, and really what you seem to be happy with and where you want to be going, because those little things that have impacted you the most can drive your purpose in the long run as well. And another great thing, tip that Misty mentioned was fast, which I'd love to go over again, which means fully present, A, to be aware and accept what's happening. The S is to speak out and the T is to take it from there. And one of our last things that I'll bring up today is the fact Misty brought up A safe place is a consistent place. Be that consistent, safe place for everyone around you, and it will be returned to you as well. But make sure people know and be that safe space by being consistently there for others. This was a great episode with our top-notch guest, Misty Buck. Thank you for listening and have a successful day.